pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Have you ever wondered why that pill you're taking for pain isn't really helping or why it's causing side effects? Are you tired of the trial and error method of medication therapy? Well, the one-size-fits-all strategy for medicines is yielding to genetic profiling of a patient that predicts disease risk and drug response in a way that personalizes medicine. Treating chronic pain can be tough because the condition is complex and influenced by our genetic makeup, as well as other physiological and psychological factors. Variations in our genetic material, like the DNA, can have profound effects on how drugs are metabolized and how diverse the response can be to pain medications from one person to another. On today's show, we'll explore pharmacogenetic testing. The word itself can be intimidating, but here's the concept. Pharmacogenetics relates to the way genetic differences between people influences a person's response to drugs and how those drugs are processed in the body. It's all about the way our genes influence our response to drugs. Pharmacogenetic testing provides information about variations in these genes and how these variations alter the way enzymes metabolize medicines. Having this knowledge can enable doctors to understand why patients respond differently to various drugs and make better decisions about therapy. We're joined once again by Mary Dugan Jordan. She's an oncology nurse who suffered from pain for 12 years and tried many opioids without much relief. Pharmacogenetic testing made a noticeable difference in her pain and her ability to function. Then Dr. Anita Gupta returns. She's a pain specialist and pharmacist from Drexel University College of Medicine. Dr. Gupta will help us understand the value of pharmacogenetic testing and its application for patients and healthcare providers. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, The Pain Community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Mary Dugan Jordan has been a nurse since 1976. She's currently an oncology nurse navigator, specializing in breast and lung cancers at Drexel Cancer Care, Hahnemann University Hospital. Mary, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Last time, you talked about the many varieties of medications you had tried to ease your low back pain and leg pain. Hydrocodone gave you minimal relief at high doses, and Lyrica, known as pregabalin, uh, gave you side effects at high doses. You had pharmacogenetic testing via a mouth swab, and then went over the results with your doctor by category. Let's look at those categories. What were they? There was an outline page. It described the antidepressants and the genes that were analyzed and the genotypes 
and then for the tricyclic, and the diazepam, and then it was methadone, uh-huh. and then opioids, codeine, hydrocodone, oxycodone, and tramadol. Okay, and I think your results indicated that you were a poor metabolizer of the anticonvulsant drugs, like Lyrica, for example, that you're taking, and that might explain why you were getting benefits at the current dose of Lyrica, but also experiencing side effects. Because the drug itself, Lyrica, is hard to break down into its inactive metabolites or chemicals, more of that drug is in your bloodstream, which produces analgesia. At the same time, though, it often produces more side effects. And I think you also discovered that you were an ultra-rapid metabolizer of hydrocodone. And that would mean that you were not experiencing the positive effects of hydrocodone at the current doses because the drug was being metabolized very quickly to its inactive metabolites. And that would explain why, as you mentioned before, you were really not experiencing much efficacy or effectiveness from hydrocodone, even at high doses. And Mary, what did your doctor end up saying? She said why I had no effect from the hydrocodone was that I was a rapid metabolizer of it, and it wasn't staying on my system longer than two hours. Okay. And then what was done as a result of of that knowledge? That's when she put me on the morphine. I definitely had a more pain relief. Uh, How much? 50%. I was pretty surprised. Well, that's a lot more relief. How overall did pharmacogenetic testing influence your life? It gave me clarity mm-hmm. in terms of what I was experiencing. Right. And it actually made me feel that um, I hadn't been losing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> what I was experiencing was validated by the study. Well, that makes sense because the hydrocodone was not producing relief given that it was being very, very quickly broken down and metabolized into inactive particles. How much better do you feel now that you've been rotated to morphine from hydrocodone? I started aqua rehab after that. I started doing more frequent acupuncture after that. Well, that's great. And how about your mood? I just felt less depressed, I guess, Mm -hmm. because I felt sad before. I felt, like, hopeless. Yeah. Because I felt like I was going to have to live like this. Right. Did you find yourself doing anything different? Well, I could participate more in family activities. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, all my kids moved back home. Okay. So my need to do some of that was diminished by their presence. Well, it seems like you got a new grip on life. Yeah, I felt more engaged in life. I did. I felt better. I felt... I felt more positive about the outcome of my future. Terrific. Some might argue that uh, the pain doctor could have trialed you on morphine or other opioids without any genetic testing whatsoever. On the other hand, having this information before you started any opioids could have avoided the trial and error method of uh, medication therapy. Yes, and which is pretty much the method that every other person I had seen about my pain had done. Mary, did you have any ethical concerns about using pharmacogenetic testing? I mean, it's genetic profiling, after all. Well, I'm not that worried about it because I've had genetic testing for my breast cancer. Okay, well, the test has identified genetic variants in you related to the metabolism of drugs. Could that result in being stigmatized at any point, though, by an insurance company, for example? It's against the law. It is. And what is that law that protects us? We'll find out straight ahead. 
I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. Welcome back. The law is called the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act of 2008 that protects Americans against discrimination based on their genetic information. It protects us from concerns about health insurance and employment, and the law should help the public feel more at ease with pharmacogenetic testing. Do you feel that everybody should undergo pharmacogenetic testing or just those at high risk for problems metabolizing or breaking down certain drugs? I think those that are having problems and can't seem to be getting relief from regular medications or getting side effects from it or can't tolerate the regular medications. Yes, ideally, there would be a significant reduction in adverse drug reactions. And finally, what's important for us to remember about pharmacogenetic testing for pain? Well, I think that it is very important for people to realize that there is this opportunity available to you if you're not getting good pain relief from your medication regime. And there is hope, and that hope lies within something like this. Absolutely. I think that was well said. Mary, it was great having you on the show once again. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me. Stay with us, because Dr. Anita Gupta is up next. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies, used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Dr. Anita Gupta is a pain specialist and pharmacist. She's the vice chair and associate professor in the Department of Anesthesiology at Drexel University College of Medicine. Dr. Gupta, welcome back to Aches and Gains. Thank you. On our last show, we defined pharmacogenetics as the way genetic differences between people influence a person's response to drugs and how those drugs are processed in the body. We took a look at how genes affect pharmacokinetics, that is, the things that affect drug metabolism or elimination from the body, and then talked about a large family of enzymes, mainly in the liver, called cytochrome P450, which metabolize and detoxify many medications. Let's talk about another one of these enzymes that's important, the cytochrome 2C9, which metabolize many anti-inflammatories, specifically NSAIDs. For example, If a patient is found to be a poor metabolizer of ibuprofen, that means that they can't break down ibuprofen to its inactive form. And as a result, higher levels of the drug will be found in the bloodstream. And this can lead to gastrointestinal bleeding and, in general, prolonged action of the drug in the blood. Anita, what's your experience with this particular enzyme and anti-inflammatory drugs? Yeah, that's exactly the one we tested. We had a patient that had uh, developed uh, gastrointestinal bleeding Uh 
you know, given that I was very interested in looking at pharmacogenetics, when we looked back why this patient was uh, essentially bleeding, it was due to because of the genetic profile, because they had a sensitivity to uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Mm-hmm. So anything like ibuprofen put this patient at risk for bleed. And this was just like first-time use of an NSAID. Yeah. It was unusual that in, in a young individual that we would see that. And so when we did order the test, we determined that there was perhaps a metabolic component that put the patient at risk for a toxic or a catastrophic, uh, you know, issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that poor, that poor patient ended up going to the hospital, getting all kinds of testing done, emergency room visits. I mean, the dollars that are spent to do that, where if I had preemptively ordered it and prevented that, you know, that could have prevented that whole situation. Right. It, it makes me wonder if we should be more aggressive with doing the testing with every patient so we can determine right from the start what would be the best drug to offer. That's true. And it reminds me of a condition called trigeminal neuralgia, which is a neuropathic pain condition that causes extreme episodic shock-like facial pain that can last up to two minutes. There's a drug called carbamazepine, or Tegretol, that's used to treat the condition. It's an anti-epileptic, but it can cause a serious dermatologic reaction called Stevens-Johnson syndrome if you have a certain chromosomal abnormality. If Tegretol is recommended as a medication for you, then seriously consider pharmacogenetic testing. And in fact, if you're of Asian descent, the FDA suggests pharmacogenetic testing in advance. Anita, now let's talk about when to test patients. As pharmacogenetic testing has advanced and become more sophisticated, Mm -hmm. I have uh, initiated pharmacogenetic testing on the very first visit. Okay. So we actually go in and talk with the patient. We counsel them on what the test is all about, why we're doing it, what kind of information we get, and we kind of advise them. We give them the choice whether or not they want it. And, um, they, you know, once we have that discussion, then we proceed to, you know, get the sample and we send it off if they're in agreement. I don't think there's many patients that are not interested in having it. Mm-hmm. And then this, this allows me to get the results on the next visit and be prepared to give them more, you know, precise medication. Understood. Now, at the same time, others might say, well, Dr. Gupta, I really only pharmacogenetic test in high-risk patients. For example, like the patient who may be of Asian descent who needs carbamazepine to treat trigeminal neuralgia. What do you think? That's absolutely appropriate. My population of patients tend to be high risk. Mm-hmm. My population that I'm dealing with in Philadelphia, you know, we, they most often will need it. If you're out there and you don't have many of them, then yeah, that's something to consider. I mean, it could be cost prohibitive to do it in those patients. Exactly. Now, which pharmacogenetic tests are available in the pain setting? These tests are getting much more sophisticated. Mm -hmm. And when I started doing them, you know, there were, you know, just a few categories of drugs that were available. It is expanding very, very quickly to oncologic pain medications, as we know, opioids, uh, benzodiazepines, uh, antidepressants, and many, many other different categories uh, beyond the scope of pain management. So, you know, when these tests are run, typically, you know, my patients will get a copy of the results, and I, I advise them to discuss it with their primary care physician, and it could be helpful to other providers that are helping them. I agree. 
Now, some practitioners wait until patients either have bad side effects from a pain medication or aren't getting adequate pain relief before they do pharmacogenetic testing. Now, I know you pharmacogenetic test for all patients, though. I do it at baseline because, you know, there's pain is a roller coaster. Patients fluctuate, and it is one of those things that if we're in a crisis situation, I want to know what drug I'm going to give, and it's going to work. And I go back to it. That's when these tests can be very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. Coming up, does the FDA recommend pharmacogenetic testing for certain pain medicines? We'll find out after the break. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. We're here speaking about pharmacogenetics and personalized medicine with Dr. Anita Gupta. She's a pain specialist and pharmacist. Anita, if you look at the FDA-approved drug labels for something like Celecoxib, known as Celebrex, or even codeine, you know, it doesn't recommend testing, pharmacogenetic testing, prior to therapy. I've seen more recommendations from the FDA with respect to anti-tumor medications. I would be the first to admit that there's not enough evidence out there, mm-hmm. but I've, over the years, become more skilled at looking at these tests, but it's not for everybody. Right. I mean, you know, physicians are busy. There's there's a lot of other pressures and practices that, that have to be dealt with. But if you have the time and, and you think that it's something that could help your patient or your set with challenges, then I think, you know, it's something to consider. Sure. Now, on a practical level, the testing is done either with an oral swab or blood. Is that right? Most commonly, it's a saliva sampling. That's how we do it in our office. You know, obviously, you could do blood testing as well, but we try to be the least invasive. Absolutely. It's quick. It's easy. Oh, and by the way, what's the turnaround time for the results? Most of them will provide it, you know, within 24 to 48 hours, and it's a fairly quick turnaround. That's really fast. And then what's your approach to reviewing the results with patients? Most often, you know, we'll do, we'll do a four-week follow-up unless there's, you know, an urgent, or I'll call the patient with the results. And then once you have the results, what might happen? I mean, for example, the dose is adjusted... Or, or the drug is stopped, or you would move to another medication. Absolutely. Those are the usual. You know, the test in those situations takes the guessing out of the game. I right. mean, we're really being more precise about it. Mm-hmm. And what's the price of the test? I mean, is it covered by insurance? I would have to say that it, it varies greatly. It could be covered uh, by insurance. And very, very. I mean, it could be under $100 mm-hmm. up to thousands of dollars. Wow depending upon the insurance coverage, depending upon the amount of enzymes that we're testing. So those are discussions that, you know, we have with the patient before the test is given to them. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, uh, some of the advantages of pharmacogenetic testing are, one, it's a one-time test and it's in the office. Right. Two, it's a way to reduce healthcare costs from adverse drug effects. And three, it could spare multiple medication trials for each patient right. and the costs of doing so. 
Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point. I mean, we're in a world where healthcare costs have skyrocketed mm-hmm. and they're not coming down. Right. And, you know, these are things that could per- perhaps prevent it. I mean, and that's why we hear, you know, from presidential candidates, to, you know, stakeholders that we need to be focused on targeted genetics, precision medicine, and, mm-hmm. and this is where it is. This yeah. is one of those tools that, that are being talked about. Now, in all practicality, how much of a difference has pharmacogenetic testing made in your own practice? And, you know, if I had to guess, I would probably say about 20%. I mean, the results you know, changed my practice. Mm-hmm. When I first started, I would have to say it probably made no difference because it requires time to understand as a physician how you can utilize results to improve the outcomes for your patients. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. So it's science that needs to be understood very clearly. Each drug's metabolized very differently. The years have gone on. I've gotten more experience at using the results to apply it to my patients. And, and you know, that's why the percentage is higher. Yeah, I mean, there's a learning curve, I'm sure. Now, how about this? The total national cost over one year related to adverse drug reactions from cytochrome 2D6 poor metabolizers to antidepressants is $420 million. Yes, I've heard bigger numbers. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, isn't that enough incentive for the government, doctors, and pharmaceutical companies to invest money and time into pharmacogenetic research? You know, over the last year, there are many, many startup companies that are offering this kind of genetic testing and, and not just pharmacogenetics. But over the last year, you, you as well have noticed that genetic testing is being out there and it's going right to the consumer mm-hmm. now. I mean, there's mm-hmm. tests that individuals can now go online and order for themselves. Yeah. Many uh, patients now are opting to do it before they even go see the doctor. Mm-hmm. They will bring those results in right at the time of the visit. Right, exactly. Now, one of the limitations, and I think that it's uh, significant to pharmacogenetic testing at this point, is a lack of evidence-based guidelines that translate the test results into clear prescribing decisions for specific drugs. That's right. That's right. And that comes back to the point where the evidence is just, we're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's amazing, you know, to me how technology is rapidly changing. I think there's there's a lot more science that needs to occur, a lot more research that needs to be invested in this technology before, you know, we can really say that it makes difference in large populations of patients. Well, given that deficit, should we wait until we have clearer evidence? Well, what do we do when a patient comes with the results to your office? Mm-hmm. Would you rather wait to have that or would you rather be prepared and preemptive and have the results and understand the results? You know, I see it that it's out of our hands almost to some extent. I think that Patients are, they want it, they're asking for it because it's going directly to the consumers. And uh, as physicians, I think it's super important for us to get ahead of that and yep. understand what it is and understand that there is some lack of evidence. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully it won't be too long before we know whether or not it's going to make an impact. Uh, but I think we're, we're already behind. I think physicians are behind in the evidence and, and you know, we need to get ahead of that before our patients do. Well, interestingly, it seems like genetics only partially explain the variations in how patients respond to analgesic drugs. So I think we need to also consider things like age, disease, gender, ethnicity, and other medications that all affect the response of a drug in the body. 
Okay, Anita, there's been a concern about whether identifying genetic markers that demonstrate poor treatment response to drugs or a poor prognosis could stigmatize patients. Do you think that's valid? Yes. I mean, from a government regulatory perspective, that stigma is real. And I think it is something that needs to be addressed whenever genetic profiling is done. Yeah, I agree completely. And finally, when do you see personalized drug therapy becoming part of mainstream medicine? There's a company known as Proteus that is putting out a smart pill that will detect whether or not patients are adhering to their medication. Mm -hmm. And that will be signaled directly to their smartphone and directly to the physician who prescribed it. That's approved by the FDA. So the future is already here. Dr. Gupta, thank you. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a pleasure. And thank you for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo, and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.